Hey everyone, and you're listening to the Mind Over Matter podcast. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode. I am so excited to have you here. Just a quick note before we get started with all the content. Um, we're going on a podcast break for a month after this episode, which means that we'll be back in May, hopefully the middle of May, where I can bring back some amazing guests once again and we can keep the show on the road. It'll be bi-weekly on Mondays as usual, um, but as I'm trying to navigate final season, I will be taking some time off to really study and grind. (laughs) So um, today I'm sitting down with Josh White. We have this beautiful conversation about Josh's journey with personal growth so far and why he advocates for mental health, especially men's mental health, and basically everything in between. Josh is a third-year university student studying history and political science, but as he says, don't let that fool you. He's an incredibly passionate person. After his mom was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer, 15-year-old Josh went through personal turmoil, which inspired his personal growth with him, and he explains a whole bunch of factors that led to why he does what he does today. Going through a series of events in his life, Josh talks about learning to become a better human being, he talks about kindness, and he talks about his way. Josh has also dedicated his social media for advocating for men's mental health, and so you can definitely check that out. I will put it into the show notes, and we have such a wonderful conversation, so I hope that you will enjoy this. Um, I personally think that, well, before we started recording at least, that it was going to be 30 minutes, but I guess it ended up being an hour because we got so into the conversation, so I hope that you will too. And yeah, without further ado, here is our conversation. Okay, so today I'm here with Josh, and I'm really excited for today. I've actually been looking forward to this moment since we last connected on Instagram and we talked about having you on the podcast. So it is absolutely such a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Josh. Welcome. Thanks, Mira. I appreciate being here. It's uh, I'm really excited too. <laughs> Likewise. Um, so before I, I know I've introduced you a little bit before I brought you on the podcast um, and um, everyone's had a chance to kind of know a little bit about you, but I want to know from you, um, I want to know a little bit about how you started your personal growth journey. Um, but more specifically, was there an event in your life that kind of inspired that? Where did you begin? My personal growth journey is kind of a funny one because it's a, it's a conglomeration of things. It's not really... There are specific events, but there have been a few things of some of them not so great. Some of them are actually pretty cool. Um, And together, they've really helped me uh, turn myself into the person I am today. The the biggest thing for me, so back in 2015, uh, this was the first life-changing event I ever experienced as a person. Uh, My mom was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. Uh, for those who don't know, that's not a really great thing. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's, uh, pretty devastating news to, to get as a 15 year old. And that really played, uh, into how I lived my life for the remainder of my teenage years, uh, 15, 16, uh, all the way, all the way, probably until even last year, I was still going through all of the thoughts and emotions in my head about what it actually looked like and what it actually pertained to. The good news is, is that it, it turned out well. And uh, my mother, God bless her. She's still with us. Beautiful woman. Uh, and I love her so, so much. Um, and we really lucked out. 
but it was harrowing. It was, uh, it was not a fun experience by any means. And it, uh, it, it crafted me into a very specific kind of person. And I don't know if that would have been the same person I was without cancer in my life, but it, it definitely set up the base for me to start my personal growth journey. I became a certain person, but it also gave me the opportunity to think about more about who I am, how I interact with others, how I treat other people, what am I doing with my life? And even though, you know, the person I, I was because of that wasn't necessarily perfect, and we never are, and especially not as teenagers, uh, it, it gave me the opportunity to grow. And I'm, and I'm, I'm, in a weird way, thankful for it because I definitely wouldn't be the same person today if I hadn't gone through that. So like that was, that's the big catalyst uh, for my journey, but it, it goes even further than that. So the first place that we connected was GSLS, the Global Student Leadership Summit put on uh, by Youth Leadership Camps Canada. And that was probably the second biggest moment in my life. Uh, I was able to apply on, on the off chance, I just got the information from, from a family friend and he was like, hey, this opportunity is coming up to apply as a MC for this really big and, and really new event. Uh, what do you think? I was like, yeah, absolutely. Sign me up. That sounds like so much fun. And then, and then I got it and it was like, oh my gosh, like I'm actually doing this. This is, this is sick. Uh, and, and going there, I mean, I don't have to tell you that, but for, for people listening, such a life-changing experience the people you we met the the stories we heard the perspectives that were just like for a young person you don't ever you don't ever get that right like that's it was completely flipped so many things on its head and uh that was like the second big thing uh because that was it was just like the key the first step was I was put in the house or in the room or whatever. The second step is I got the key and then COVID would have been me putting the key into the lock, unlocking the door and stepping out. Uh, COVID once again, not a fun experience. I don't have to tell anybody that, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, in the time that we spent not doing anything, uh, one of the, one of the things that has been present in my life is that I always think never stop thinking. And not doing anything meant no distractions and no distractions meant more thinking. Right. <laughs> and you were literally with your thoughts. Yeah, literally, literally uh, the last summer, uh, summer of 2020, I was stuck for about a month and a bit in my house at school by myself. And it, it was really a different experience. I, I won't say it was necessarily completely negative, uh, because when you're alone by yourself and all you have is, well, your brain, yeah, what else literally. do you do? <laughs> well, you can't, you can't do it. Uh, so it gave me the opportunity to really sit down with myself and be real and just be like, Hey man, like, what are you doing? Who are you? Like, what's going on? You gotta, oh, you gotta gosh. figure that out. Cause if not, like, if not now, when? Uh, so that was like the big part, but is there anything I think? The last thing I would attribute my, uh, like starting my personal growth journey was actually going to university. Mm. Uh, say what you want about how effective university is at getting jobs or whatever. That's not the point. Uh, you can have whatever opinion you want on that. But 
I think that the most important thing that I got out of university was once again, an, an expanded perspective, Spe specifically because I study history and political science. How can you not be engrossed in the world of, hey, you should think this, hey, you should do this, hey, consider this, hey, this happened. It was, uh, it's a little wearing at sometimes, but I would, I would do it all over again, knowing what it, what it gives you, um, not work, but, but life experience, the human experience of, of growing and developing as a person. Uh, that's what university I think is really about. And so, yeah, so there's cancer, <laughs> uh, the global student leadership summit, COVID and just going to university in general. Uh, those were really the, the steps that my life took towards growth. And you know what? You've said a lot. <laughs> you said a lot. Sorry. Wanna... Yeah, I just kind of no, went off there. It's so, good. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much that I want to I want to dig into because each each experience that you've talked about has given you something unique. Right. Mm -hmm. Like each each event, um, whether it was positive or negative, kind of shaped you in a different way. So so if I want to dig back, I want to go to the first thing that you mentioned, um, which is at 15 years old when um, you know, you found out that your mother was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. That must have been pretty devastating to hear. And it's something that it's something that when you hear at 15 years of age, it makes you think about a lot, you know, that usually you don't have to think about. So I'm curious as to whether what did that teach you about what did that teach you about your life or how did that shift your perspective on things? Uh, do you mean initially or, or like now? <laughs> well, I'm sure it would have been, I'm sure it would have been changing throughout, but I'm curious to know at that moment, being 15 years old, were you, what was your reaction? Um, in a weird way, it almost felt, I've never actually said this out loud, but it almost felt deserved. Uh, and, and I, and I can't really explain that more than what it is. Uh, I, growing up, I've always been kind of like sensitive towards other people's feelings. Like I always like including people, Hey man, like how you doing? You feeling okay. And so on the flip side of that, being a, a young guy who immature and whatever, uh, a kid, you know, you make jokes about certain things and, and a really common joke that you hear in elementary schools are like cancer jokes. And I'm no, Even now. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I, 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 a lot of people make them. A lot of people have heard them. Unfortunately, cancer is an ever present part of our life. And so, you know, as a young kid, you could never really get it until, you know, at 15, you walk downstairs and your parents are sitting on the couch looking at you like, Hey, we just got off the phone. <laughs> and it's like, uh, with who y you can't really understand it. And so I think, I felt like I deserved it, but it, it, but it really taught humility. That first lesson in, in humility of like, don't ever think your life is somehow better or different than anybody else's. You just gotta, it, life happens and, and you gotta deal with it as it comes. That was, I think that was like the, the first thing really. And, and, and looking back now, I, I feel like humility is, such a huge lesson to learn, first of all, at that age, <laughs> because, you know, at 15 years old, I can speak for myself. I never thought about humility. Um, and it, it came, it, it came at a cost, I would say, like you mentioned it, you felt like, you know, it's, it's, it's not something that you go through. So how did that change when you, when you grew up or when you saw your mother going through that, 
I would hate to say, um, I'll say experience. I'll say that experience. Yeah, experience. Yeah. Like what did it, um, how did your idea evolve or shift in your perspective? What did it, how did it change? I think that was, it was, it was definitely a gradual process. Initially it was kind of like shutdown mode, mm-hmm. you know, just start going through the motions, which is why uh, I, I mentioned that this kind of wasn't even resolved until last summer with uh, being home alone with COVID uh, out and about because it's really easy to just be like, all right, you know, this is what we're doing. Brain, body, just go. Um, and then it's really easy to just get in the pattern, the habit, right? So initially it was kind of like head down, move forward. And, and then the humility became later uh, through the reflection on the whole thing. And, and it, it was all of the young, like youth experiences people go through, all the teenage experiences. Oh, you know, you go to your first big party, you know, your first high school dance, um, you know, you take somebody on a date to a movie theater or you're hanging out with your buddies at the park or whatever. Like, you know, um, all of those things where it was like, there are the nice moments and there's always those not so nice moments every time those things happened, it would kind of be like, a, oh, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not at fault here. I'm not at fault here. I'm not at fault here. And then eventually you start looking around and go, okay, well, that's not entirely true. <laughs> There's yeah. always a little fault on both sides uh, when it comes to most things. So that was, that was kind of how it changed over time. It was the, that the experience, the initial experience, the, the cancer um, was knocking down the peg. Uh, but it wasn't until a couple of years later where I actually realized my peg had been knocked down and I had to kind of start from a little bit lower of a level to get back to where I wanted to be as a person. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. Um, and I think I'm, first of all, I'm very happy that your mother fought the cancer. And, um, and I think that to learn such perspective, like search perspectives at such a young age is, um, it must have been a lot, but I'm really glad that it's made you a better person, like you're mentioning. And in a way you mentioned, like it was, it was, it taught you humility. So I think that's really amazing. Um, and I, I follow your mom on Instagram. I don't know if you know that, but I do. I, oh, I, awesome. do. I follow her. Um, I have been, I've listened to a couple of her podcasts and um, I think it's, I think she has a really good story and I'm glad that she's doing what she does because I think um, what she's doing needs more awareness around um, thriving and um, living your best life. So, well, at Thrive Nutrition and Yoga on Instagram, yeah. she'll, go follow her. She'll, follow. Uh, she'll, teach you, she'll teach you a thing or two um, about not only like being a person, but just like eating healthy, living healthy things that people, for whatever reason, don't do. <laughs> she'll, yeah. she'll, you can learn a lot from that one for sure. She's tough. Yeah, absolutely. She and um, yeah. So I'll put it in the link. I'll put it in the uh, show notes in case anybody wants to hit follow. But yeah, she's actually she she has a really great message. So I think you should hit follow. Um, but kind of wanted to shift gears a little bit. Um, and I know that you talked about um, how the pandemic kind of changed you. I feel like mm-hmm. this one's going to be a really big relatable point for a lot of people. Um, I've spoken to a lot of people who said, "Hey, you know what? Like." I'm not the same person I was before this pandemic. And I, I can fully attest to that because I can't recognize myself from before the pandemic. Um, <laughs> and like, if I think about it, you know, I, 
it's been a it's been a rough year but at the same time I have learned a lot so I'm curious to know like what was when you were sitting um you mentioned at your university for a whole month alone yeah what was what was going through your mind but not only that was there a way that you worked on yourself or was there something that kind of changed the course of your personal growth during that month? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say that first of all, uh, just kind of like as like a discretion thing, different things work for different people. This just happened to work really well for me. Um, One thing that the pandemic really got me back into was spirituality Uh, As a younger kid, I felt a pretty strong spiritual connection, but it wasn't in the way that I really understood it. Um, Because how can you at that young of an age? It's simply not, it's just not there, right? And and I went to church as a kid, but eventually I stopped because uh, that just wasn't what my family did anymore. But spirituality and going to church don't have to necessarily be the same thing. Spirituality is its own thing. It's not not the same as religion. Um, And so for me, I really got back into... Um, my faith, I got back into spirituality, I got back into uh, reflection, I think, I think one definition that worked well is stoicism, Uh, maybe not entirely in the sense, but to a certain degree of self reflection. Um, But actually, one thing, and this is going to be kind of relatable, kind of weird, but like, (laughs) so Last summer, uh, Avatar The Last Airbender became a really big thing again. Yeah. Uh, and funny enough, when I was a kid, that was my favorite show. Like, hands down, like, that was, like, the coolest show ever for me. Um, and spoiler alert, um, in one of the later seasons, the main character, Aang, goes to one of the temples and he meets a guru. Uh, and the guru starts talking about all the different chakras. And so that, for me watching that specific episode actually kind of made my brain start going. Cause I was like, this is a real thing, right? Like this is the, it's a, it's from uh, like, well, I mean, I don't have to tell you, like, you'd know, um, <laughs> it's a, it's an Indian thing. Um, and so I started looking into it more and I started researching what I could. And I actually got a book. Oh, sorry about that. My bad. Okay. <laughs> um, I got a book. Uh, it's actually right over there on my bedside table. It's like, uh, something about, uh, healing your chakras. Um, and, and that was, that was the big thing for me because when I was looking through and I was reading this book, it was like, well, that's really interesting because there's, uh, all the different chakras up your body and essentially what they are like these discs of energy, right. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know. And the idea is that certain things block these discs um and by resolving conflict in your life whether that be external or internal conflict you can liberate the energy in these discs and allow it to flow freely through your body and by doing that you become more of a whole person and the idea is that if you can release all seven chakras then you become closer to the universe and you are more in tune with everything around you and that was like looking at i was like that's kind of you know, that's, I like that idea. That's, that's kind of cool. Really, that's really cool. Being in touch with, you know, not yeah. just people, but everything. Mm-hmm. It, it could be as small as, you know, uh, uh, the weather, or it can be as big as, you know, the seasons, uh, trees, animals, plants, uh, water systems, uh, you name it. All of these things, uh, if you take to this kind of thought process, are very connected. 
and yes. it doesn't mean it doesn't it doesn't mean like I'm a hippie like I like I don't live in a van by the river and I do shower but <laughs> it, but you can prescribe this I think I think a lot of people could actually do it because there's another thing that the book that I was reading because I'm definitely not an expert in it but the person who wrote the book is Mm-hmm. and I don't remember her name but that's not important uh one of the big things that she was talking about is how when these discs are blocked it actually can cause physical illness or or and, and then when I say physical illness I also mean mental illness as well um because those things are all as we are starting to learn now uh, are very connected and when I was going through this process in my apartment by myself I was I wasn't maybe doing it the way that would have been considered traditional, uh, but I was really sitting down and being like, okay, well, if this chakra is blocked by this, what in my life pertains to it? If, if, it's, if something, for example, is blocked by, one of them is blocked by fear, what am I afraid of? One of them is blocked by guilt. What, am I, what do I feel guilty about? Those sorts of things. And so I really, yeah, it was actually, honestly, it was, it was a pretty intense experience. It was not like, don't romanticize this one at all. It was gross. Um, it, it was like strip you down to your core and, and build you up from nothing. I really kind of sat myself down. I, I had a lit, like a piece of paper in front of me and I wrote out every single thing that I could remember in my life that I was either not happy about, uh, regretted, wish I had done differently, uh, literally every, you know, those things, you know, there's always memes about this where, oh, me sitting alone in my room at 3am thinking about a conversation <laughs> I had four weeks ago, like literally like, legit thing, right? People do that. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, but this was pen to paper for you. Yeah, but this was pen to paper. So it wasn't just sitting in my room at 3am looking at the ceiling going, <laughs> oh my God, I really wish I hadn't told that person. I didn't like their outfit. Like it was, it was, you know, man this life altering choice I made that I have regretted, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how do I, how do I make amends with that? You know, the, this relationship, whether that be a friendship or a romantic partner or whatever it could be for anybody, uh, from, I'm not getting the, doesn't pertain to me. I'm keeping that kind of stuff private, but like those sorts of things are as like, Oh, I wish I had, you know, formed a relationship with this person. Or if I had, you know, not necessarily, been so mean to this person um maybe I could have been a little bit more understanding about what this person was going through uh because they're all the you know they're all those are all very valid concerns especially you know I can relate to that as my mom had cancer right yeah and so I can remember times when that was going on where people would say things or people would do things and it was like dude oh my god context like do you even understand but then I went, oh my God, how many times have I done that to somebody where it's something that, you know, it really digs deep and you're just not thinking about it and you just, oh yeah, this, that, or the other thing, I don't care. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, man, that was really, really cold. Like yeah. I definitely didn't make that person feel great. So like those kinds of experiences, those were the things I was writing down. Mm-hmm. And, and it could, some of them took days, some of them took, you know, five minutes uh, some of them took multiple attempts. Uh, it, like I said, it wasn't a fun process. It was really gross. It was, it was really hard. Um, I would say that if I recommend it to anybody, I wouldn't, uh, definitely take a safer, nicer approach to forgiving yourself. <laughs> um, 
but if you want to do the trial by fire, I mean, if you have a month and a half to lock yourself in your apartment, oh gosh. I'm, not encur- <laughs> I'm not encouraging it, but if that's your cup of tea, that's your cup of tea. Uh, you have been warned, guys. You have been warned. <laughs> yeah, it's not advisable, but yeah. I can't stop you. Uh, it, that was that was what I did. And, and that's how it, it looked. It was, you know, going to bed at ungodly hours and, and not a lot of sleep. And uh, it was... It, not fun, but definitely worth it. <laughs> definitely yeah. worth it. Yeah, I and- feel so much more at peace with myself now. <laughs> no, that's really good to hear. And and kudos to you for sitting down for a month and a half and really working through a lot of these things in your life. Because I feel like I feel like it's not something you you think of. Um, I mean, I don't. I I do have. Okay, no, I totally have those moments where I'm in my bed and I'm like, oh. I shouldn't have said that. And like, I really regret some of the things that I say, but I never, um, I've never considered writing a list of things, you know, of, um, and really just going deep within yourself. So I think that was, that's, that, that's absolutely amazing, but it's not tangible, right? Like mm-hmm. if it's up in the air, if it's in your brain, it's not tangible. Yeah. It's a memory. It's something the past no longer exists, right? Like you cannot, it, it, it's a completely abstract thing, but writing it down that that makes it present you know yeah that thing was four years ago I probably don't even remember how half of these things probably occurred that's one thing that I actually learned with my girlfriend her memory is insane I can't have like (laughs) dude she is wicked good with remembering (laughs) things and it really makes me realize how much I'm not good at remembering things and so I you know writing these things down you don't remember how it actually happened you just know the feeling that is related to it you know how it made you feel and that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing about memories. That's why people have them, right? It's it's not necessarily what happened. It's how you felt about it. Mm, it kind of reminds me of the quote by Maya Angelou. Um, people won't, oh, you won't remember how, what people said, but you'll remember how they made you feel. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. it's it's no longer, in this case, it wouldn't be how other people are making you feel. It's how you made yourself feel mm. and how you made others feel. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and working on forgiving yourself for all of those human failures, unavoidable. It's going to happen. You're going to make these mistakes. I'm going to continue to make these mistakes for the rest of my life because I am still human, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but being aware of them and writing them down, making them physical. Mm -hmm. That's what gives you the ability, or at least it gave me the ability to actually work on them. Josh, you know, it's really interesting that you said um, self-forgiveness. Um, and it's interesting because you were just talking about, um, how, when your mom was diagnosed with cancer, you said that it felt deserved. And I know that you can't put like the word on it, but you talk about self-forgiveness. You put that pen to paper and thought of things that you might did, might've done wrong. And, um, you know, sometimes we can be the toxic people, of course. Um, and, um, sometimes other people can be toxic to us, but I'm, I think self-forgiveness is such a, um, it's such an underrated thing. I I feel like we don't, we don't talk about that enough. We don't forgive ourselves enough. We don't cut ourselves enough slack. So like, tell me like giving yourself that grace and space or giving yourself that self-forgiveness, how did that change the way that you showed up after you sat down for that month and a half and kind of wrote down, how did that change the way that you showed up to with other people or with yourself? I think it, it, it got me out of my own head. First of all, well, not really. I still am in my head 
most of the time thinking about things, but it, it, when I say got me out of my own head, it got me out of my own perception of life. If that makes sense, you know, as a person, everything you do changes how you perceive the world, but by being real with yourself and questioning, you know, Oh, was it actually how you thought it was? Uh, that kind of expands that perspective a little bit, but the forgiveness part, I think it almost, it was like a, it's like a, imagine, you know, the story of Atlas, the Titan from ancient Greek mythology, he's standing and he's, you don't No, I no. don't No, Tell me. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm also big into Greek mythology. That's just like a thing. I don't know. Uh, I love it. So Atlas is the Titan um, who was given the burden of holding up the sky. His mm -hmm. task was to prevent the sky, which was uh, Uranus, and the Earth, which was Gaia, from touching. And excuse me if I didn't pronounce this properly, but anyway. Um, and that was his task. Um, he had to bur like hold the burden of this unfathomable crushing weight for the rest of his life. Now imagine you are Atlas and you're under this unfathomable crushing weight, but you don't actually realize that it's there. Ooh. That's the difference. Ooh. <laughs> after, after, yeah. After going through this experience, mm -hmm. it was like a weight when I, when people, Oh, a weight was lifted off my chest. Literally, bro. I'm not kidding. Uh, <laughs> except it's not your chest. It's your brain. Yeah. All of these times where you, you know, you, you sit by yourself and you're like, oh, you know, I'm such a this. I'm everything. People think this about me. Oh, my God. This, that and the other thing. Once again, unavoidable, completely natural human human thought process. But if you can become aware of it, you can stop it from controlling how you live your life. Yeah. If you realize that that one very big moment in your life that you regret, if you forgive yourself for it, it no longer controls your actions. It no longer controls how you treat people. It no longer controls how you interact with the world. By forgiving yourself, it's kind of like acknowledging, yeah, that happened and that changed me, but it doesn't define me anymore. It doesn't control me anymore. Now I am aware of it. I can catch myself. Uh, a really good example of that would be like um, people who, who suffer from negative self-image. Once again, I can actually relate to this. Um, as a young man, um, I've always had a little bit of a trouble with my image and, and a lot of guys and, and I imagine a lot of women as well can, can relate to this of, am I pretty enough? You know, am I tall enough? Am I strong enough? But if you start to realize that it's okay to be the way you are, then it's no longer, it, I think I may have lost my train of thought on this one, but essentially the idea is that it's okay who you are and it's okay to learn more about yourself and forgiveness is the key to that. You yeah. can, you can have all of these self, these destructive thoughts and behaviors, but uh, when you, when you sit down with yourself and you say, you know what, man, it's okay. You didn't know any better. It's not your fault. You thought you were doing the right thing. You thought you were saying the right thing, whatever it was. And then it's like, okay, 
it's no longer who I am. That's not me anymore. It's, 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 I can move on from this. Mm -hmm. I can, I can separate myself from what I thought I was and now become who I want to be. Nice. Nice. No. Oh, that was good. (laughs) And, and, and it, and um, it makes me think about self-belief because you can totally, you can totally not be, you can totally be a work in progress But at the same time, you can still love yourself and say, hey, it's okay if I'm not necessarily my best version of who I am or how I see myself. Oh, you know what? That's actually, that's a really good point because I I didn't think of this, but now, now that you've mentioned it, that kind of jogged my memory. Um, You got us trained back. Yeah, the the train came (laughs) back Um, and the train's actually currently leaving the station again. Um, (laughs) um, One thing that I can attribute to this experience during the summer was that I am not in a not in like like a cocky way where it's like nothing bad ever happens to me but I have complete and utter faith in myself where I'm going in my abilities I am very aware of who I am and what I'm capable of and I no longer am I'm no longer willing to allow other people to tell me what I can and can't do Mm-hmm. Um, obviously within reasonable limits, I'm not trying to go around being a bad person. I mean, <laughs> like if I think that I want to do project X and I, and I truly believe that project X is feasible, you know, at past Josh, if someone had come to him and said, oh, well, that's such a big idea. You know, why don't you just relax a bit, dude? Or, you know, oh, that'll never work. You dream too big. Yeah. Uh, that kind of is just right over my head now. You could, you could come up to me and be like, yeah, you're going to fail. And I'd be like, cool. That has everything to do with how you see what I'm doing. It has nothing to do with what I'm doing or how I see it. it. Your words don't affect me anymore because I acknowledge that the way you are treating me is actually a projection of yourself. It is not a projection of me. Yeah. I know who I am. Believe me. I ask myself these questions for a month and a half. <laughs> I know who I am for you to tell yeah. me how I'm living my life. Yeah, yeah. That's a big, that was, that was a really good point. Cause that actually, that is like a, one of the fundamental changes that I am currently still working on, but have now begun to understand. Because you know yourself and because you've done the work um, and doing the work can look different for, for, for a lot of people and you can still be doing the work and still not have all the work done. Yeah. But, but, um, Oh God, where was I going with this? No. So what I'm starting to say is if you're, since you're doing that work, it changes your own self-belief, which means that other people's beliefs don't phase you anymore. And that's, I think, I think that's really, that's really powerful because what other people say no longer changes how you lead your own life. And that is, that is within reasonable, like reasonable limits, like advice is still advice. And if something, you know, if someone comes to you and says, Hey man, you should really consider, you know, the factors uh, that's, that's different. It's more about the, the outwards negative energy. Um, people who like to, to spew without thinking as I, once again, I, you know, I've done it, I will continue Mm -hmm. to do it, but now I am aware more of the weight that my words carry and, Mm -hmm. and the weight my actions carry as well. And being selective with what type of energies you let into, right? Because no one actually really offends you. You choose to let that person offend you, if that makes sense. So, yeah. 
and and actually funny story so just after or this might have been during the process or just after the process this summer i was walking on uh the trail that goes from my apartment to campus and i was walking and some young guys were driving by in their car one of them leaned out his car window and flipped me off and i just started laughing like yeah. like i didn't mean to i just burst out laughing because i was like <laughs> wow that is hilarious like you know old me would have been like thinking about it for the rest of the day oh what my the god hell? Like, what the heck man like why would you do that to me i actually like unwillingly just started laughing i thought it was the funniest thing ever because it was just like why why did you do that <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah it, it's 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 all about how you let you let other people affect you i feel yeah and, exactly. and 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 doing that work can like you mentioned if not as um as serious as doing it for a month and a half in your own room, writing it down. It doesn't even have to be that serious, but sometimes doing a little bit of work can also help you with, with that sort of thing. What do you think? Yeah. Baby steps, baby steps yeah. for sure. It, no, you, Rome wasn't built in a day, you know, right. Yeah. You, you can't think of it this way. I saw this one. I can't take credit for this quote, but the, the day you start trying to work on yourself, you have to remember every day prior to that has been contributing to what you have to try and fix. Say I was that alive again. For, Say that again. <laughs> I was alive for 20 years before I started trying to work on myself. Yeah. It's not going to be completely undone in a month and a half. That's 20 years of trauma, uh, experiences, um, miscalculations, mistakes, regrets. It, it doesn't go away immediately. It, it couldn't possibly go away immediately. Uh, it is as much as on one end, it is on the other end. And that's just a fact. So yeah, baby steps. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And, and um, you know, when we were having this conversation, you brought it up, um, I believe a few times where you mentioned about um, self-image and how a lot of men specifically can get um, often see themselves as lesser than they are or mm -hmm. thinking to themselves that, you know, I'm not enough. For sure, that happens with everyone, but I want to talk specifically about men and the work that you do with talking about men's health, because you do it very well. And honestly, I don't see Thank it you. done. I honestly don't see it done um, very often. Actually, if anything, you're the first account that has I've ever seen or the first person that I've ever seen that's advocated for men's health, specifically even men's mental health. So mm -hmm. I want to know, like, why do you advocate for men's mental health was there something that kind of made you want to do it I can I think I can think back right now to it was fall semester 2019 you know before the world fell apart and <laughs> it was in I think November is when uh because November is in November and I mm -hmm. think it was men's health day I think uh I was in one of my classes and for whatever reason, I knew it was Men's Health Day or Men's Health Awareness Day, sorry. And I went up in front of my class, my, my lecture hall, for no other reason than to say, hey guys, Men's Mental Health Awareness Day is today. I understand that men have caused a lot of issues and, and, and historically, you know, bad guy, but it doesn't have to stay that way. Um, we have also injured ourselves in the process. And so I want to bring attention to men's mental health awareness and men's health awareness, because it's kind of like, 
if you, I don't want to say, okay, I got to tread really lightly here. Cause once again, I, I'm not a professional. I am just somebody who's very passionate about this cause. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't really give a, a professional opinion on this, but I think that a lot of the things that we see have to do with uh, inequality, um, people viewing themselves differently, or perhaps not understanding that they are in a different position than other people, um, simply based on the circumstances of their birth. But if we can fix the problems that men have been causing themselves, I think a lot of other things would be a bit easier to approach. We, in, in truth, men do cause themselves a lot of issues. You know, growing, growing up, I was very proud. If something went wrong, I would do everything in my power to either make sure nobody found out or fix it before somebody did. And I would never tell anybody about it because it was my problem to deal with. Yeah. Same thing, for example, if I was feeling sad. Fortunately, I was gifted with a very loving, kind, and caring father, mm-hmm. a very strong male role model who never, ever shied away from, hey, Josh, if you ever need to sit down and talk to me, I'm here. But not a lot of guys are. I know, yeah. I know so many of my friends who have told me to my face, yeah, if I ever sat down with my dad and asked him to talk about something, he would just tell me to like toughen up or, you know, grow up or whatever. And so, you know, when I stood up in front of my lecture hall, I started getting questions from some people in the room, like, oh, well, you know, men do this, that, and the other thing. And, and what about this? And what about, you know, uh, what about women? What about uh, like everyone's mental health? And I said, yeah, but, but just because one group is struggling doesn't mean that another group's struggle is somehow less. Yeah. Even yeah. if they are considered by some as perpetrators yeah. or, or historically have been perpetrators. And then it got into a really good class discussion. And actually I, I offer, I derailed my entire lecture. The <laughs> first half of the two hour lecture, it was the first hour, the entire class was actually talking about men's mental health. And, wow. and there were guys all around the room, guys who had never spoken in class before, never raised their hand, never tried to contribute. And they actually were standing toe to toe with other people in the class saying, no, you need to consider the facts. For example, male suicide, it is higher in men disproportionately than it is in women. Why is that? Why? Is there an answer? I mean, there are a bunch of statistics about it and people have created, you know, theories and, and, and academics have published papers and done research projects on it, but that's all data to me. That's, that's not, that's not, it brings awareness. It doesn't promote a solution. Yeah. So one thing, you know, if a guy can't sit down and express that he's feeling angry, where does the anger go? Nowhere. It just builds and builds and builds. And eventually this guy is so angry and he has no idea why. And then he takes it out on other people and he hurts other people, whether that be willingly or unwillingly, however you view it. But the, but the truth of the matter is, is that why, why weren't we able to sit down with him and say, okay, this is how you're feeling. Let's, let's help you. You know, why, why are, why do men feel so inclined to throw each other under the bus in the rat race that is testosterone? Mm -hmm. I don't see it. I never have. I never Mm -hmm. got it. I was bullied in school by other guys. Why? Actually, as a matter of fact, to this day, I still don't know why this like in uh, grade nine and 10, I was picked on by a group of guys. 
to this day, I have no idea why they did it. They never explained it to me. I never got to, you know, confront them about it. You know, by the end of it, it was just, you know, we acknowledged each other and they eventually stopped. But why? Why was it necessary? Why is it that I can't go to one of my guy friends if I'm having a rough time and say, hey, buddy, can we sit down and talk about this? Why is it that men feel like they can't cry in front of each other? Why is it that men feel like they have to be the one who's responsible for their family, the breadwinner? Why is it his responsibility? It's not. It's everybody's responsibility. It's everybody's responsibility to take care of each other, to help each other, to build with each other. And so in my opinion, we have neglected an entire half of our youth. We have, we have taken the group that perpetuates the issue and said, you are the issue. Let's solve all of the problems you make, but we're not solving the issue. We're just finding band-aids. Yeah. You know, we're not, we're not cauterizing it. We're just finding band-aids. If guys could talk about their feelings, if guys didn't feel like they had to be macho, if guys knew that expressing themselves was actually one of the healthiest things they could ever do, I think the world would be a lot different. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because nobody, nobody deserves to wake up every morning and say, wow, can't wait to not be myself today. Wow, can't wait to go to school and pretend to be somebody else. And to be tough. Can't wait to be tough, yeah. Can't wait to go to work and show everybody how cool I am and how, how tough I am and how good at my work I am. Bro, what about how I'm feeling? You know, I get tired too. I get mm-hmm. upset too. Life happens to me too. 15 years old, mom, stage four cancer. Guess who I got to talk to about that? Nobody. Every time I mentioned it to my friends, they'd be like, okay. Wow. Can't blame them for that. Mm-hmm. because they weren't equipped to deal with it either because they'd never dealt with their emotions. They were never sat down and said, you know, Oh, this is how you're feeling. And this is how you help people with it. I can't blame them because they weren't equipped for it. And frankly, it also wasn't their problem, but it was mine. And as their friend, you know, it would have been really nice to have a few people be able to not necessarily understand, but empathize. But guys don't do that because we're not taught that because that's not manly. Who says that's not manly? You know? Yeah. It, 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 12 on the schoolyard. Like, I don't care what he says. Yeah. No, it sounds like a lot of stigma that was, that was perpetuated. Um, and I'm speaking specifically, let's say in your circumstance, like it's other people who have, who are perpetuating the stigma, but it's also self stigma because you've never, first of all, you've never been taught um, as a male to speak out um, and say what you feel. But secondly, um, it's just, it's really interesting. I actually, I, hearing this makes me upset because it's something that you don't, it, honestly, I don't hear about this very often. And I see a lot of my own male friends um, silently suffer and they don't say things out loud. Um, and you can see that, you know, they're going through a whole a lot, but like, it's not expressed. And uh, it just, it breaks my heart. And it's not just people who are of our age, or it's not just people. It's, it's NFL players. It's, um, it's people who are in higher ranks that are also feeling the same way. Like, I know Michael Phelps spoke out about, you know, his own uh, mental health and how he felt like he was going through a really hard time. And he didn't have 
the access or I wouldn't want to say access, but he did. He felt like he couldn't speak about it because it was mm-hmm. so stigmatized. I really hope that with your work, we'll be able to change that, um, even well, if it's yeah, in a small a, way. Yeah. There's actually a really great uh, statistic that I found the other day that 49% of men are actually more depressed or the, they use the word depressed in, in, in the article. 49% mm-hmm. of men are more depressed in their life than they care to admit to the people around them because wow. they either think that the people around them won't care, won't help them, or that they will be viewed negatively. So when you, when you say men aren't taught to express their emotions, that's partially true. We are taught to express our emotions, but we're not taught to express the ones that make the difference. I can feel passionately about anything, sports, whatever. Men are taught to express those things. Oh, mm-hmm. my team's better than yours. Oh, you know, I'm tougher than you. We're taught to express that a lot. Mm-hmm. We aren't taught to express, I'm having a rough day. Yeah. We're not taught to express, hey, I had an interaction with somebody and I can't get it out of my head and it's weighing on me. We're not taught to express that. It might be partially biology as well, but once again, I'm not a professional, so I can't really go into that, but I do know what I've seen socially. And so I can only really address that through my own life experience, but yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking just to be able to look into some of my, my guy friends eyes and just be like, Oh man, I am so sorry that you feel that way. And they don't even have to say it. They don't, you can see it. You can tell the jokes they make the, Mm -hmm. the, the, the times where all of a sudden they go quiet all of a sudden, you know, they don't show up to anything for a week or maybe three. And, and to anybody who's not thinking about it or who doesn't care, it's just, Oh, you know, Joe didn't show up. Why isn't Joe showing up? Why aren't we more worried about him? You know, it's as simple as, Hey man, are you good? And most guys will say, yeah, I'm good. Even though they're not. Yeah. Yeah. But if we can teach, if we can teach each other, you know, it's okay to say you're not good. Mm -hmm. We can resolve this, this trauma that lives with people and weighs on people for their entire lives. And and, and just another thing. So this is another thing. Uh, one very important lesson that my girlfriend has taught me is that uh, you got to live. You got to live. That's mm-hmm. it. You know, you don't want to get to an old age and say you never did. And that also kind of pertains to, you know, some people get to an old age and they have regrets. Yeah. I don't want to be, I don't want to regret anything. I'm going to, it's inevitable but I can mitigate a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't want to regret what happened at 16 when I'm 75. Maybe I'll regret, you know, not being able to go skydiving, <laughs> yeah. which I'm going to do. So I'm not going to regret that, but I don't want to have to look back and say, wow, I really made a bad life choice and I never mm-hmm. tried to correct it because nobody ever gave me the opportunity to, or I, I didn't feel like I could express myself and, and heal. Those are things that I don't think anybody should regret or anybody should face, especially not my friends. Mm -hmm. I couldn't look my buddy in the eye and be like, oh yeah, what you're going through, it sucks, sorry. Well, yeah, it sucks, sorry, but like, man, can I help you? Like, do you wanna talk about it? Like, do you wanna sit down? Do you need resources that I can, like I can give you some resources of people who are more qualified than me, Mm -hmm. you know? Maybe, you know, 
you can't talk to your parents. Let's find somebody else. You want to talk to me, talk to me, but don't let it bottle up. Don't leave it in your chest for your entire life, man. Don't, don't get to 85 and regret those things. Nobody deserves that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, not that it might be wholly related, but it's, it kind of draws a line to one of your Instagram posts that you had, which was about, um, the art of being cool and you kind Mm -hmm. of redefined what it means to be cool. Um, I want you to, first of all, talk to me about that because, um, redefining cool, (laughs) I've never heard of that. And in high school, at least I can speak to myself. There was a different like, um, definition of cool than there was now. And I want to know, you know, what definition of cool are you speaking of, first of all? And is that kind of related, again, to that masculinity that, we're, that um, men are forced to perpetuate about cool, or people in general even? Yeah, that is absolutely related to uh, the masculinity and the perpetuation of what being cool means. But I wouldn't say that it's a redefinition, mm-hmm. more of an in-depth analysis. If I was redefining cool, I mean, I I couldn't, I don't even know where I would begin, but uh, essentially the Instagram post, what it said was, is that, let me, uh, I'm going to just, I'll pull it up and I'll quote it. So I get the information uh, exactly correct. Uh, What I said was, is that being cool has nothing to do with how you look. It has everything to do with how you act. People are very quick to recognize when others are genuine and kind to them and, and, and people respect, you know, when you are genuine and when you are kind. And so when you do this, that makes you a likable person. It's inherent. If you are nice to people, people are nice to you. It seems pretty straightforward to me. So when I say it's an in-depth analysis, I think there are actually two types of cool because it's about what make it's why people find each other cool, right? Mm-hmm. Well, why do people find each other cool? Well, people find each other cool because they have status. Yeah. People find each other cool because they seemingly live a good life and mm-hmm. people find each other cool because everybody either relates to them or wants to relate to them on to a certain degree yeah. or wishes they were doing what that person is doing yeah i think the problem is is that there has been a misconception about how it's applied cuz those those fundamental th- those 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 factors stay yeah. no matter what yeah. um you know, let's take, for example, a popular kid in high school. Let's say mom and dad have a lot of money. They always throw huge parties. Uh, they are favorited by the teachers. Um, everybody likes them. That speaks nothing about their quality of character. And that just kind of shows about what their life is about and how people perceive them. They could be the most horrible person in the world. Yes. But, you know, oh, mom and dad throw parties all the time and the entire school's invited. Oh, they're so cool. Yeah, <laughs> because they they give something to other people. They give them an experience. They give them something that otherwise wouldn't be available. They make them feel a certain way. Remember, it's not what happened. It's how you feel about it. So, if somebody is cool, does that mean that they what have a lot of money? Does that mean that they wear really nice clothes? Does that mean like what does that actually mean? I don't think it actually pertains to that at all. Mm -hmm, it has mm -hmm. nothing to do with that that's just something that people have associated it with yeah being cool is actually about how interesting you are it's not about what you have and how you flaunt it 
It's about how interesting other people find you. So a very easy way to be found interesting is being nice to people. It's kind of a little life hack. If you want to be liked by people, be kind to them. Be genuine. You know, uh, one of the things that I said in my in my Instagram caption was, is that shirt that you're wearing is not going to make you cool, but asking about somebody else's will. If I go to the same person every single day and I say, hey, man, what are you working on? Oh, you're doing this. That's awesome. Do you want help with that? Is there something that I can do for you? That person's going to like you. Why? Because you have done something for them and that is interesting to them. If you go around and do this for everybody, if you are nice and genuine to everybody, yeah. well, everybody's going to like you because, mm-hmm. but the genuine part is important. It can't just be a fake, you know, plastic. Uh, nice to everyone. <laughs> it's not mean girls. It's not, oh my God, I am so popular. <laughs> like that's not it. It's the genuine part is the key. Um, mm-hmm. Being nice, but being genuine about it. Learning about other people and saying, Hey man, why are you wearing that shirt? Oh, that's awesome. Even today, um, I was out and about and I saw this one girl and she was wearing jeans and they had flowers all over them. And I was like, Hey, those are really cool pants. Where'd you get them? And she's like, Oh, I actually made them. Everybody else in the room was probably looking around and being like, damn, those are some really cool pants. I wish I could get a pair. Nobody bothered to ask her the time and effort she put into making them. Yeah. We didn't even know, or at least the people know. Didn't know. Yeah. I, I didn't even know, but I thought they were cool. So I told her. Yeah. And, yeah. and little things like that can change your world. And, 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 and it actually makes you cool because people like when you give them that respect, they put time and effort into things. Everybody does. Everyone's got a project they're working on. Everybody has things that they're proud of and that they like doing. And if you go to them and you say, good for you, congratulations for being able to put the time and effort into yourself and what you love. Yeah. That is just, that is just increasing the willingness for people to support each other. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's like building a mini network yeah. of people who you can go to and can come to you. That's what makes you cool. I think it's, I think all of the people I have found cool in my life are people who have always been that type of interesting. The person who always goes to, actually, do you remember at GSLS, there was one leader, his name was Jonas. Do you remember him? Was he a, was he a, an MC or was he a leader? No, he was, he was a leader. So he was no. one of the uh, student staff. Members. Okay. So okay. I remember Jonas and if he ever hears this, it might be a little bit embarrassing, but <laughs> I thought he was like the coolest guy ever because he didn't care. He was up dancing and, and, and just doing whatever in front of everybody. He wasn't worried about people judging him. He was worried about giving, like making people's lives fun and, and being interesting. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. I was like, wow, how do I do that? And then I realized, oh, I just do exactly what he did. I don't care about what other people, I don't take the negativity. I do things to help serve other people. I live my life for myself, but I also live my life for others. I don't take away opportunities from other people. Everybody likes to be appreciated. Everybody likes to know, oh, my work is paying off. All it costs you is five words. Hey, man, that's really cool. (laughs) I love that. I love that. And and on that note, then I must say, Josh, I really find you really cool. (laughs) And and um, 
And I really, I really respect what you do. And I like the fact that you said that it's cool to even say that some it's, it's, it's cool. So don't be embarrassed about that. Totally. I think it's so cool to speak your mind and say, Hey, you know, you're cool to me. And, and it sounds like it's more about, it's more about other people than it is about ourselves. And, um, it, it's like, cool is cool is when you're authentic. Yes, absolutely. The expression is key. People find expression really cool and expression in humans manifests in the most beautiful ways. It really does. Artists, musicians, I guess musicians are art anyway. Um, (laughs) uh, You know, uh, let's take, for example, um, somebody who is like a woodworker. Mm. That is their artistic expression. That is their passion. That is their skill. That is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. It is so cool that they can do that. Maybe somebody's passion is solving a Rubik's cube in under 30 seconds. That's awesome. Not everybody can do that. That's sick. You yeah. know, that's so cool. Hell yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe you're, you like scuba diving or maybe you do road trips or maybe you do YouTube or maybe. Or even the girl that had the, the, the who made her own pants. Like, that's cool. Yeah. You know? That's the question. That's, <laughs> yeah. the, that's the genuine, that is somebody showing you their soul, man. Like, like. And, and when, when you reach out to them and you say, I acknowledge what your soul has, has brought into this world, that's like one of the deeper levels of connection that people don't even realize. You don't actually realize that is like, that is like souls touching. It doesn't have to be in a, a, an intimate way. It doesn't have to be in, in that kind of thing. It can be as simple as I connect to you as a human being on the same level you connect to me. I see you. Yeah. I see you. I acknowledge you. Your expression is awesome. Keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, I so resonate with that. Um, and thank you for saying that because I feel like that needed to be said. Um, and, um, we've spoken so much about your Instagram, your platform, all that you do. So tell me where can we find you? If listeners want to connect with you, if listeners want to see your content, how can we find you on Instagram at Jash J A S H underscore white jash white on instagram i'm probably gonna find a better name for that because once again it's not about me uh it's about the people um but yeah you can find me on there uh i'd be happy to have you join a little community that i'm trying to build the goal is to once again help people connect on a human level that is the mission the idea of you know you are a person you're coming with your own experiences your own skills your own passions Let's find you somebody else you can share that with. And by sharing, we can collectively expand our mindsets to being a more open, accepting, and caring group of people. So if that sounds cool to you, I would love to talk to you. I would love to talk to you. I would love to have a conversation with you because I want to know what your expression is. I want to know what your passion is. I want to connect souls with you like that send me a DM. Let's talk. But we're on to my favorite part of this podcast. Not that the other parts were not my favorite, but rapid fire is my absolute favorite part. And they will be short questions and you're going to need to give me the answer in one line or less. One line or less, because I've been so good at that so far. (laughs) Well, you know what? You're going to be great at it now. You know, the podcast name is Mind Over Matter. So, Tell me, what does putting mind over matter mean to you? Uh, Brain controls the body, healthy brain, healthy body. 
Yes. Health begins with our thoughts, you guys. I agree with that so much. I love it. That's a great tagline. Thank you. <laughs> Second question. Um, what is something that you've been reading or listening to recently that's inspired you? Um, <laughs> uh, it's going to sound really bad. I don't do a lot of reading or listening because I do it for school. Okay, watch. Watch? Um, I watched a really great documentary called Cowspiracy, and it's about how cows and methane are ruining the environment and we should all go vegetarian, which I am now. So maybe Oh, wow. Welcome to the club. <laughs> a great club. The food is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Especially the Indian food, I gotta say. No bias, though. Uh, no bias, but like absolutely biased. <laughs> um, it's your last day on earth. Who would you want to spend it with? It can be anyone. Does it have to be one person? Can that be my answer? Because it's definitely not one person. You don't necessarily have to know them. Okay. Girlfriend. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who is one person that in that you really admire in your life and why? My mother. Uh, just her whole life experience. Um, even even beyond what uh, she she works on online. Uh, everything she's done. Every how far she's come. Very inspiring keeps me going. I can second that. She's very inspiring. Um, next question. What has been your silver lining of the pandemic? I got a girlfriend out of it and she's like the best thing ever. <laughs> and yeah, I know it sounds really corny, but I'm serious, man. Like that's such a big source it's of It's been happiness. the best thing for you. <laughs> what has been or is currently your favorite song that you've been listening to? Wow. Um, Hard one. I know. Uh, let's go with St. James by Avenged Sevenfold. Uh, it's a metal song, but this one is kind of like lower key. It's, I don't know, it just slaps. <laughs> Damn, I got to check it out. <laughs> it's really good. Honestly, not a huge metal fan. I actually do not listen to metal music at all, but. That's interesting because you're in Ontario. We have a lot of huge metal fans in Ontario, especially in the southern part. Mm, well, that's a, wind, that's a windmill joke, actually. <laughs> But. You can see her at the back being like, no, this is not it. Say hi to the podcast dish. Give me headache. <laughs> um, Josh, this has been so fun. I have learned so much from you. And after this conversation, not that it wasn't before, but I'm really, I'm such a big fan of what you do and who you are. Well, Mira, thank you so much for having me. Honestly, when I started the Instagram thing, I didn't really know where it was going, but when you reached out, that was like, that was a pretty big part. Honestly, I, that was like one of the first things where I was like, oh my God, I can, you know, go on a podcast. I never thought I could go on a podcast. And that was like, that was, that was huge for me. So I'm actually, I'm so humbled and so happy to be here and be able to share my story and experience with you and, and anybody else who's listening. Cause all I really want to do is help people. And, and you have empowered me to do that. And, and that is something that I can't give back in, in a physical, tangible gift. Uh, you truly are an amazing person for doing what you're doing. And I am so grateful for you having me here. Thank you. That made my day. Keep it up. And, I, and honestly, like, you don't, <laughs> I think you didn't need me to tell you that you can definitely be on a podcast because you're such a good speaker. And I think GSLS <laughs> showed you that. So <laughs> keep it up. And this won't be the end of our conversations for sure. <laughs> Definitely not. I am very looking forward to staying in touch. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Mira. <laughs> <laughs>